Well, good morning. Good morning. We have John chapter 14 this morning. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, starting at verse 1. Ben, if you would read that uh, loudly so all can hear. Through verse uh, 6, and then we'll dig in. Should I take That would be a good idea. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I would go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I'll take you on, take you to myself, that where I am, you will be also. And you, and you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, do we not know where you are going? How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for those words. These are words of life, truth, love, and we desperately need to hear them. Our souls desperately need to hear them and feel them in this time and in this place right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill our hearts, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word today. And that we would see you clearly, Lord Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. <clears throat> our, our earthly eyes can't, can't see this. Our earthly ears can't hear these things. <clears throat> we need your spirit, Lord, to be able to, to see and to hear clearly. And so work in our hearts now, Lord. Put aside all the thoughts and distractions of the day and of the week and of our lives, and may we center our thoughts and affections and love on you right now, Lord. And may your spirit do a great work in our hearts in this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. Let that sink in for just a minute. Let not your heart be troubled. These are truly sweet and beautiful words to hear. Jesus tells us these words that in him we may have peace. Now we have so much trouble in this world, don't we? There's trouble everywhere. Jesus even said, we're going to have trouble in this world. We are, but take heart. Jesus has overcome the world, John 16, 33. This passage is one I refer to in every funeral that I preach. I go right here. It offers words of great comfort, <clears throat> envisioning a day in the future and a place where we will be face to face living with Jesus. It speaks of the house of God being prepared for us and how Jesus is going and he's going to come again and take us who believe in him to that place with him. <clears throat> and you can read about the glorious beauty of that place in Revelation 21. It's just absolutely stunningly beautiful. Yeah, I don't even think the words of the Apostle John written there can adequately describe the beauty and splendor and awesomeness of that place. Our words just sudden, they're, they're limited. And one day we will be with the Lord in that place. One day, face to face, living with Jesus. These things are true, and they will happen just as he says they will in the future. There will be a new heavens and a new earth, a new Jerusalem, and it will be beautiful and one, wonderful. And one day we will live together and the tabernacle of God will be with men and it will be glorious. 
and lovely, and there will be peace. All tears will be wiped away. There will be nothing but pure love and joy and peace in the presence of God in that day. And so, as John writes at the end of the book of Revelation, come quickly, Lord Jesus. <laughs> come quickly. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And I hope and pray these words give us comfort for what is to come or in knowing what is to come. And I pray also that they give us comfort and peace for our hearts in this moment today and every day, day after day. As I was reading this, I was thinking of this passage in Deuteronomy 30. It says, you know, this word for us is not only far off into the future. It's not just in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it also. Or is it over the sea that somebody might go and get it and bring it back to us? Or we have to go there to experience it. No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can believe it and do it. And, and we can see here the picture of God's spiritual house. A spiritual dwelling place with God that has many rooms, a, a place for you and for me where our souls can live in communion with God. And if you look at chapters 13 through 17, you see this bigger picture that Jesus is talking to us of with these themes of his love for us and our love for one another and the glory of God and abiding in him and experiencing joy and unity together as we abide in him and he abides in us. I encourage you to read chapters 13 through 17. Just read them over and over again. You'll see these these themes start to come out. It's, there's so much love and joy and peace that Jesus wants for us. And we experience that through abiding in him and him in us. He is the true vine and we are the branches. And we are in him. We can bear fruit for his glory and his kingdom. And that's not just for far off. It's for today. It's for your life and my life today. <clears throat> it's as if God is teaching us the same lesson in chapters 13 through 17, just using different illustrations. You saw it, we saw it together in chapter 13. Jesus humbles himself. He gets down on his hands and his knees. He washes the nasty feet of the disciples, puts aside his privilege and you know, his, even his outer garments, takes the form of a slave, washes their feet, then tells them stunningly, he will be delivered up. He even encourages Judas, go do it quickly. Part of the plan. We'll be delivered up. And it's for the glory of God. And we've given a, we're given a commandment to love one another. It says, I give you a new commandment, love one another. And what we see here in, in John 14 is a continuation of that, of that dialogue with Jesus. The chapter divisions are here in our Bibles, but it's one long discussion. And so right after he tells Peter, because Peter's like, well, where are you going? You can't leave. How come we can't follow you there? What are you talking about, Jesus? You're going somewhere and we can't follow you? I'll, I'll die with you, Jesus. Why can I not come with you right now? And Jesus says, will you die with me? You're going to deny me three times, Peter, for the cock even crows. You're going to deny me three times. Will you die for me? You will die for me eventually, Peter, but it's not going to be tonight. And then he tells them these sweet words, let not your hearts be troubled. Because their hearts are troubled. Jesus, you're going away. Where are you going? Why can't we come with you? What's happening here? In their minds, they have this, this image that, you know, Messiah Jesus is now going to establish his kingdom. And they were even bickering with each other over who would be the greatest. They're all going to have a place in that kingdom. And who's going to be the greatest? And 
James and John's mother was even saying, hey, let, let them sit at your right hand and your left hand and all these things. They thought, this is it. Let's get our swords. It's time. And the whole time Jesus keeps telling them, it's not like that. They're not hearing it, though. They're not hearing it at all. It's like we don't hear it. We, we have in our hearts and our minds, you know, this idea of what reality is. And God's all often telling us, no, that's not what it is. You're missing something much deeper here. We just keep going on in our, in our lives. All the while, God saying, no, that's not what it is. I have something much deeper. We need to see it. And so through these chapters, we're, we're being taught the same lesson with different illustrations. The lesson is to live and walk and be in our soul filled with the Holy Spirit and operating, being, doing from a place of love. It's what Jesus is showing us here. He, he is modeling this for us. Humility, love, service. Even to the point where he is laying down his life to show us these things for our sins. Here we see the illustration of living in God's house. In chapter 15, Jesus is the vine and we are his branches. We're the branches of the vine that abide in him and bear much fruit. In chapter 16, he speaks of the Holy Spirit who will come as our helper. The parakaletas, the one who comes alongside our helper that will live within us and guide us into all truth. And so once again, in our text today, we are told, don't let your heart be troubled. You know, there are so many things in our lives and even in the lives of others that cause our hearts to be troubled, aren't there? Man, we, we have troubles. It's not hard to think about it once you start thinking about it. Each one of us in this place, you came through those doors right there or into this Zoom call with so many things in your heart and mind that you're troubled about. We come through with our smiles. Yeah, everything's good. <laughs> and inside, we're dying. We're so burdened and troubled often. We put on the Sunday morning smile, though. Yeah, everything's great. Oh, I wish I could talk about this. Oh, but I'm afraid it hurts so bad. I'll, I'll appear weak and like I don't have a lot of faith. And I don't know. I'm scared. We'll talk about that. What will they think of me? You know what your troubles are. <clears throat> For some, uh, it's financial trouble. How in the world am I going to pay the bills? What am I going to do? Uh, for some, it's health trouble. When am I ever going to feel better? When am I ever going to heal and get better? For some, it's work trouble. How am I going to get out of this dead-end job? How can I provide better for my family? What am I going to do? For some, you have family trouble. You know, you, you just look at your family members and you think, why can't so-and-so just do right? <laughs> What's wrong with them? Why can't they get it? Why can't they just do right? And we, we, we carry this burden and about our family members. Why can't they just love Jesus? Or why do my parents have to be so hard on me? Some of you, you young people in here, you, you feel this. Like, man, mom and dad, are, they're hard. So many rules. I, I can't even keep them all straight. And they can't even keep them all straight. <laughs> they're so inconsistent. What's that? What's going on? Some of you young people in here, you feel that. 
You're like, am I going to get in trouble this time? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Let's see. <laughs> you have trouble from that, young people. For some, our hearts are troubled by the recent death of family members or friends. And you cry out, God, when are you going to take the pain of this loss away? It troubles our hearts. For some, it's depression or bipolar or other mental and emotional health difficulties. And boy, we don't talk about that at church. You can talk about your broken arm all day long. You can talk about my gallbladder that got really scared at the state fair. You can talk about that all day long. Don't talk about my depression. You know, you be, you know, I think I'm weak. I think I have some kind of spiritual sin problem. Don't judge me for that. God help us. God help us. We have trouble. Jesus knows this. He knows it. <clears throat> for some, you have school or learning trouble. Why can't I make better grades? I try so hard. I just can't seem to get it. What's wrong with me? Nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with you. When you have trouble from that. Create trouble in our minds about that. Why can't I figure out math or reading or science or philosophy? And the list goes on and on. Man, I, I could never figure out accounting. <laughs> like, I, it's like, what's wrong with me? Take this stinking test and it's like, okay, yeah, I, I think I made an A on that. C minus. What's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong. So you get the point here, right? There's trouble all around. I haven't even listed all that we read and see and hear every time we turn on the TV, the news media, fire up Instagram or whatever. That even adds more to the trouble we feel in our hearts. And, and we have no control over any of that. We just kind of let it into our minds just to, I don't know, we want more stress, I guess. I wonder, like, why, why, why am I into all this? Like, I have, like, this much little control over that. And the elections are coming up, so vote. That's your chance. Then we move on. Trouble all around. Jesus is here. And he is inviting us to a place where we can surrender the troubles of our hearts and live in peace and joy. Think about that. Let not your hearts be troubled. He's inviting us to God's house where there's peace and love and joy. He's inviting us in. He's opening the door and he's saying, let not your hearts be troubled. He's prepared a place for us. He has risen from the dead and gives us access to a place through the Holy Spirit that where he is, we, all, we also may be. Those are his words. What I'm talking about here is our souls living in union with God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we dwell in this place, when, when we live in our true self and our souls in this place with God, we have true love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, who wouldn't want to live there? I 
You know, I, I say those words like, yeah, sign me up for that. That's amazing. I want to live there. Absolutely. And then we, we leave this room and we're like, no, I don't want to live there. No, I really don't. I don't really want to live there. I'm going to live in another place. I'm going to live in a different place. It sounds great, Pastor Ryan. You're talking about it here. And that's really what my the deepest longing of my heart wants. And sitting in this chair right now or in the Zoom call right now, yes, that is, that is the deepest longing of my soul. I want to live in union with God and have love and joy and peace. Yes. And we walk out those doors and we say, no, I don't really, I'm not going to live there. I want to live there, but I'm not going to live there. We have this beautiful place provided by God available to every one of us through faith in Jesus but we turn away from it to live in our own dwelling place that we construct within our own minds. And this is a continuation of what I was starting last week in the message last week. We, we create these other dwelling places in our minds. You can think of them as that old self or the false self or an ego identity within our mind. And we want to live in those places. It's what Paul writes of in Ephesians 4.21 when he tells us to throw off your old sinful self and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead... Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new self, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So we need to throw off that old sinful self. We need to transcend that. We need to put it behind us, throw it off. But boy, that's hard to do, isn't it? Is that old self? It wants what it wants. It's strong, and we've made it strong. We feed it constantly. We build it up. Each of us has, or sometimes more, we have at least one of these, or more of these identities, and we'd rather live there than in God's spiritual house. We'd rather live in those than in true union with Jesus. And I'm repeating myself, and I'm going slowly because this is not easy to see. This is not easy to see. I introduced the idea last week, and I'm continuing on because we need to see this, church. <laughs> We need to see this for what it is. And you see this and you can, you can move past this to this place of spiritual union with Jesus through faith in him and walking in the spirit step by step. That's when we have freedom and joy, inexpressible. These identities are strong. And we think they are who we are. We, we say, I am a, you know, people ask you, well, you know, what do you, what do you do? Well, I am a, I am a pastor. I am a father. I am a corporate leader, a manager, right? I say, I am, I have just put my identity with that. But no, that's not who I really am. That's what I do. Think about that. What are we? We are human beings. We're not human doings. Think about that. It's subtle, right? It's subtle. We create these identities in our minds. Introduced some of mine to you last week, and I think you are starting to maybe see what some of yours are. They're strong identities. I'm Ryan, the spiritual husband and father. 
And in that identity, boy, there's a certain way of being that has to happen. There's a certain list of things you do, Ryan, in that identity to strengthen it, to reinforce it. Ryan, the godly Baptist pastor. Ooh, that, that one's dangerous. Real dangerous. That one has a huge ego. <laughs> huge ego. And it's easily fed by all around. Oh, you're a pastor. Oh, that's wonderful. And just, ooh, just stroke that ego. You know? That feels great. Ooh, that's a dangerous one. Ryan, the corporate leader and executive. Ryan, the healthy athlete. Hey, I care about health and nutrition. I want to be fit. You fall into that, I guess. And you get hurt, and you're like, oh, man. What, what happens now? Am I worthless because I can't run? I'm worthless because I can't walk up steps. See how this works? Or Ryan, the smart one. Some of us have that identity. I want to be the smart one. I want to be the one at the table who has the answers. Who's seen as the smart one. Everybody looks to for the answer. Ryan, the musician. So beautiful the way you play. Oh, thank you. So not to say we shouldn't compliment each other, but you can see like how it's subtle, right? If you, if you pour yourself into that identity, you think you are that. And if suddenly I hit some bad notes, it's like, oh, man, should I even play anymore? If I wrap myself up in, in this identity of the musician and something happens and I can't play, like I lose my hand, then I'm worthless. I want to just kill myself. And you've seen this play out, right? This, this plays out in our culture. It's because we're living as that identity. We're not living in our true selves in union with the Lord. <clears throat> so you know what yours are. I've shared some of mine. Being very vulnerable with that. That's not easy for me to do. It's not. It hasn't been easy for me to see these things in the last couple of years as I've dug into this. So you know what yours are. Maybe there it's the successful business manager or the family provider or the homeschool mother, the smart student, the strong athlete. You know what they are. The list goes on and on. The hunter. These are the old or small or false selves that never satisfied the deep longings of our souls. And we create them in our minds. They're all up here. They're all in our minds. And as I read this passage, don't let your hearts be troubled. I've gone to prepare a place for you. And in my father's house, there are many rooms. They are dwelling places for me to live, for you to live. God wants us to live there. But we say, no, you know, I like that house, God. That's real beautiful and everything. But I've made a nice little tent over here that's really cool. You should check it out. Right? You ever been camping with like a little pop-up tent with like the stick up in the middle? I imagine something like that. I've been in one of those tents. Ooh. And you, you're just like, oh, wow, look. But God, I've made this, this little tent over here. And I've even got lots of these little tents over here, God. And, and really, I'm just going to go stay in my tent and not come into your house right now. Thanks for the invitation. Think about that. That's what we do when we decide to live in those egos, those false selves, those old selves that the Apostle Paul says, throw that thing off. 
take that old ratty tent you made and just throw it aside and live in the spiritual house that Jesus has invited us into. Put that up because look what was there, right? It's all this, the sinful stuff because that's what the ego does. The ego has to defend itself. It has to build itself up. That old self has to, has to you know, make itself strong and it does all kinds of negative things to do that, sadly. <clears throat> we find all kinds of trouble when we live in those tents. That's where the trouble is. Think about it. That's where fear is. That's where all the strong negative emotions are. It's when we're living in those old selves, those small selves, those ratty tents that we've slapped together. In fact, this is the place of all the strong negative emotion and thinking that goes on in our, our futile minds. That's where it is. This is the place, those old selves, that's the place where we can't forgive and love because our ego and our pride is hurt too bad. We say, no, I can't forgive them. You don't know what they've done. I just can't forgive. Because that ego says, no way. I need revenge. I need to, to be better. I can't forgive. You know what they did to me? You know what they said about me? My family? I can't forgive. That's that, that's that old self saying that. Because it wants what it wants. It wants to be strengthened. It's got to build itself up. It's got to puff itself up and make it stand tall. I can't, I can't get down on my knees when I'm in there and wash feet. No, I can't forgive. John talks about this more in his other letters, 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world's passing away along with all of its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. What is the will of God? What is his great commandments? What are they? To love. That's how we do the will of God. We love. So we're not abiding with God in his spiritual house when we are living in our egos and our pride. And so I want you to think about this. You know, what negative feelings did you carry into this place today? What are they? Anger, frustration, unforgiveness, hurt, sorrow, pain, envy, pride. These are the tattered, old, leaky, cold, damp, small, flimsy tents we create in our hearts and in our minds. It's like being on the camping trip, you know, and it starts pouring down rain. The storm just comes, right? And that thing's falling in on you, and it's leaking, and it's wet everywhere, and it's cold, and it's damp, and you're like, and God's saying, come on out of that into my house. Come on. And you're like, no, no, it's fine. I can, I can be in here longer. Look what I've made for myself here. And that thing's just falling in on you. No, 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 I got this. It's okay. It'll be fine. Oh, Lord have mercy on our souls. Our hearts become just so hardened to the love of God. We, we don't come to the knowledge of the truth and and some of us, not even like until we're on our deathbeds, have seen this. They, they want to live in that ratty old tent till, 
They're on their deathbed, laying there, literally dying. And there's something that happens. God gives us eyes to see in those moments, like, yeah, that tent is destroyed. I have nothing else than to just fall into the love of God. Some of you may have experienced this with some of maybe your family members or friends who have passed away. Hard hearts, you know, their whole lives. I had some, some uncles like this who passed away recently in the recent years. Somebody got some bass right there. <laughs> you know, and like I would try to tell them about Jesus throughout their lives and, you know, no, that's narrow-minded. Just hard hearts. Wouldn't even be open to hear about the love of God at all. I, you know, I, I present them with the Bible with their name in the front and everything. They just gently give it right back. And they're like, no, you, why don't you to keep it? You, you'll read it, not me. That's okay. And just throughout their lives like this want to have anything to do with spiritual things or, or God at all. And they're in their last days. And suddenly there's a change. It's like the spiritual awakening happens in their, their lives. And they realize that that old tent, that old self, the, in, in their case, the physical body is just gone. Like it doesn't function. And they fall into the love and peace of God. And I just think, well, thank God for that. And I wish it didn't have to go like that. You know, I wish we could have, wish he could have seen that 30 years ago, 50 years ago. Why didn't it have to come to that point? Sometimes it does. We can learn a lot from hospice workers and see this regularly. And, and what did Solomon say in Ecclesiastes? Let me say, isn't it better? He says, it's better to be in the house of mourning than the house of mirth. Because you don't fake the deep stuff. You can fake being happy and joyful all the time. But you don't fake this deep stuff. You can't fake this. But better to be in the house of mourning. That, that's where true wisdom lies. As I thought about this, I was reminded of the story of the prodigal son. You probably remember that story. Lived comfortably in his father's house, right? Had an older brother. He was kind of a curmudgeon. I'm the older brother in so many ways. God help me. I am the older brother, literally the older brother, and I'm the older brother, the Pharisee of Pharisees. Oh, man. But the prodigal, he's there in the father's house. Everything's good. Daddy loves him. But that's not enough. No. Give me my inheritance. I'm out. I'm done with this farm life. I'm going to the city. What does he do? Takes the inheritance, goes, squanders it on wanton living, you know, all kinds of bad stuff. Prostitute, gambling, you know, living it up, squanders the whole inheritance. Ends up in a pig pen, which is pretty nasty. You know, we just went to the fair and those were kind of clean pig pen. But they're still nasty. It's a pig pen. And he's laying there with the pigs, dying of hunger. No one's helping him out at all. You know the story. And he's like just craving the pigs, the pods of swine. That's how bad it was. And he's there and, and he, this is like one of our tenants, right? I create this identity. I'm going to live in this identity and I'm going to keep feeding that identity all the while, brothers and sisters, that's a pig pen. No matter how you, great you think it is, it's a pig pen compared to God's house. You're just wallowing in the pig pen. And what happens, right? At some point along the way, 
And God will usually do this to us, brothers and sisters. He will come and he will destroy that. He will shatter that identity. He will shatter that, Ted. He will put you into that pig pen so that you can look up. Because that's what we do, right? When, when life gets us way, way down, that's when we cry out and look up. And that's what the prodigal did. He finally comes to himself and says, ah, I could go be a servant in my father's house. They eat better than this. I'll just go and be a servant in my father's house. And how does the rest of the story go? Right? He gets up, goes back to his father's house. And who's waiting there, looking on the horizon? The father. <clears throat> Every day looking for his son, longing for the son to come home. Get out of that pig pen and come home. And, and that's the invitation of Jesus to us today. I made a dwelling place for you. It's available right now. Come out of those tents and pig pens that you're living in and come home and live with me in my house. And this happens in our hearts and our minds, brothers and sisters. These things play out in our hearts and our minds. Come home to be with Jesus. The father runs to him, kills the fatted calf, creates a feast, he falls on his son's neck and he kisses him and he gives them the ring and the robe and it's, he's treated like a prince. God wants that for us. Let's not be like the older brother who's just sitting there the whole time judging and criticizing. Like, you didn't do anything for me. You didn't have a party for me, dad. Come on, come join the party. Your brother's come home. No, no, not coming. Right? That's the ego. You see the older brother's ego, his identity. I'm the older brother. I'm the preeminent one. I should be the one that's being celebrated. Not that loser. He missed out. The older brother missed out on the blessing. Completely missed out on the blessing. What a loss. The older brother, he probably had his own little tent he made outside, thinking it was great. You know, I'm like, look at this little house I made. The father's house is my mansion. Oh, let's not be the older brother. <clears throat> Jesus is inviting us to come home and to live in peace. I was also reminded of the Apostle Paul in Romans 6, where he agonized over living in the flesh versus living in the spirit of God. You know, it's a similar type of thing, dynamic going on here. When I'm living in that old self, that's living in the flesh. Not walking in the spirit in those moments. So I, I want us to have eyes to see this as we, as we go and as we walk and as we live that we can see these things playing out in our minds and in our hearts, that, that we won't be content to live in these small self, old self egos of ours that fall into sin and we find ourselves anxious and wanting. There's endless anxiety when you are living in these old selves. The small self worries about worldly things what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear or what people think about us or what, you know, that ego needs to look good or to feel good. And God says, don't worry about that stuff. I know what you need. I've provided for all of your needs, Matthew 6. It's God's desire that we live with him and walk with him in his spirit in our lives. He doesn't want us to live in these old shabby tents. That doesn't bring him any glory at all. 
just brings us glory. We have some little successes over there. Now you can learn this lesson the easy way, or you can learn this lesson the hard way, or both. For some, he will bring, God will bring the storms of life and blow these tents of ours completely over. And Isaiah chapter 41 talks about this. Israel's building up idols. God brings a king from the east to just take them all down. And what happens? The idols can't even stand up on their own. They fall over and they break. And so now they got to be fixed and nailed down. It's another picture. Like this, this picture is all over the Bible. I'm using the tent illustration now. But in Isaiah 41, you see it's the illustration of idols. So you can use the same concept there. You know, we build up for ourselves idols in our minds and in our hearts. And they don't stand when the storms of life come. They fall over and they, they get wrecked. And so we, we scramble to piece them back together. And then they fall over again. And God will bring whatever he needs to bring to destroy them. You will have no other gods besides me. So you can learn this the easy way or you can learn it the hard way. And I'm, I'm here to help us today to learn it the easier way. Because <laughs> I've learned it the hard way recently and you don't want, it's, it hurts. It cuts to the heart. You're like, God, have mercy on my soul, please. God will bring a strong wind to blow away our self-created halos of legalistic Christian self-righteousness. He will bring a stormy sea to drown our self-created self-righteous reputations. He will bring us to the point in our lives where we are stripped down to nothing but the essentials to show us our utter dependence on him and where true peace really comes from, and that's living in his spirit. You know, I see this in the testimonies of persecuted Christians. Every time I read one of these uh, Voice of the Martyrs magazines, <laughs> these folks know this lesson. You know how they know it? Because they have nothing. They, they have nothing. They read these articles. These articles aren't just about persecution. These articles help us to see how to have true love and joy and peace in our souls when everything has been stripped away. These folks have been there. They really suffer from a worldly perspective. But you know what? They often will, will call that a gift. It's a gift. God has shown me where true peace really is. It's not in bags of rice or a roof over my head. It's in trusting in Jesus and falling into his spirit and his love. That's where it is. I, I encourage us all to pick up these magazines. There's several of them over there by the coffee area and read their stories. And it's helpful for us as well, because when the storms of our lives come, we're not alone. You know, these, these folks have walked these paths. You know, we've also suffered in this room. We should be sharing our suffering, sufferings and our burdens with each other. We don't do that enough. We just don't. We would be a stronger fellowship if we would be a little bit more vulnerable with each other. We need that. Because life, life is hard. In this world, we have trouble. But let not your hearts be troubled. We can help each other with these things. Hi. 
And there are so many more stories as I wrap up, just other examples. You know, why was the man born blind? Was it, his, was it him or his parents that sinned? No. It was that the works of God and God's glory might be seen in him. Why did Lazarus have to die? Jesus, you knew he was sick. Why did you wait, Jesus? Why didn't you go to him and heal him? And now he's dead, Jesus. Why did Lazarus have to die? So that God's glory would be seen in him. My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. You know, so often I find myself longing for the kingdom of God wanting to, to live in his kingdom. And the Lord's showing me, you're there, Ryan. It's right here. Right in, in my soul, it's there. It's not an earthly kingdom. It's right here. It's right now. And I can live there if I would just get out of these crummy tents that I make for myself. Wow. Philippians 4, 6, I was reminded of that. You know, Let not your hearts be troubled. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Walking step by step with the Spirit. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus is inviting us to live with him in his glorious and peaceful house. There we can live in peace and in love. This is accomplished through walking in his spirit. Jesus led the way, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. I pray we can all deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him in his way of love and joy and peace. Right now, today, and forevermore. Amen.